Number seven, dismiss the junior church. Hopefully, by now, everybody who's been here knows where we're going. <clears throat> First Peter, chapter 3. First Peter, chapter 3. Go ahead and turn your Bibles. As I was reading a Ephesians chapter 5, and I finished with wives submitting the to their husbands as the church submits to Christ. And I got done and went to sit down. My mom was like, keep reading. <laughs> and when you're talking about submission to your husbands, that's what you want to say. Like, keep reading. Don't forget about the husbands, right? Like everything in you, especially ladies, is like, let's keep going. Let's not just stop there. But I'm going to stop there today. So I'm going to do verses one through six. And there is nothing about your husbands being loving or anything else in this list for today. Because it's like with my kids, whenever they say, I will be nice if my kid does this, or my brother or sister does this, then I will do that. You don't get that with these passages. You submit to the government, you submit to your masters, even if they're harsh. The same is with your husband. Whether you like it or not, you don't get to the excuse, well, my husband is harsh, or my husband is lazy, or my husband is stupid, or my husband is whatever the list is, <clears throat> whatever the list is, you don't get the excuse. Because we say the same thing about everything else in the list before, right? And I'm done. You can talk to my wife with all the caveats and the what ifs and all the things. I'm just going to read it as it is. Explain it the best I can, and you're all mature, grown adults for the most part, and you can look up the other passages if you want to, right? That's great. Do some study on your own. See if what I'm saying is true, and we'll all go from there together, learning how to love one another better. But I'm not going to give all the excuses like, wives, submit to your husbands, because also your husband's going to have to love you. Well, he might not. And this whole passage explicitly says that. Wives, honor your husbands. Even if they're unbelieving and disobeying the word. What does that mean? They have no law to follow. There is no rule to follow in loving you. They don't have the scriptures. They don't have the sacrifice of Christ. Still, you have to submit to your husband. And hopefully, he will be won over by you and your submission. Not in your nagging, not in your fighting, not in your crying, not in your sleeping in the other room, whatever it is. That is not how you win your husband. And that is not how you honor God. I'm going to read all of 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and then we'll walk through it as usual. <clears throat> Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. 
Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way that the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. And I'm going to stop there. That's it. That's for you. That is your command. There is no, as long as your husband is a great guy, as long as he makes it really easy for you. There is none of that. And if you want it there, but you don't want it with like, well, with Nero or with your slave masters, you can't have it all the ways. You can't tell the slaves to submit to their masters, even the ones who are harsh, and then say, but wives, don't submit to your husband if he's a terrible guy. It does not work that way. It's in the same category. And in fact, it says, in the same way. It starts that way. In the same way. Be submissive to your husbands. You have to let it just sink in. Not just gloss over, not make a joke next, just submit. And we all know it. We all say it to our kids. Just submit. Let's not argue for the next 12 hours. At some point, you have to submit. But it's for the same reasons we're submitting. So we win over our husbands because Jesus Christ himself submitted to the worst kind of people because he has died to save you. He has given you an example of how to submit because when you're submitting, you're submitting to God. You're submitting to Christ. Your husband is not God and your husband is not Christ, but you're submitting to him as unto the Lord. And it is really hard. As we discussed before, every one of these submission verses is hard, and none of them depend upon the greatness of the king or of the master or of the governor or of the police officer down the line. None of them are dependent upon that. It's hard. It's a dirty word in America, submission. It's a dirty word for feminists everywhere. Right? It's a dirty word to say, wives, submit. You just want to be like your own person, be free to be me. We'll live our separate lives, but we love each other like we're best friends who live together, but, you know, we're equal in every way. We are not equal in every way. We're equal in value. Sometimes the ladies can be smarter, for sure, better at a whole lot of things, for sure. But there is a way that the authority is structured in Scripture. And I did not make that up. It's there. From the get-go. So wives, in the same way as what you previously saw, you're to be submissive to your husbands. That doesn't say submissive to everybody else's husband. Submissive to your husband. You made a vow. You made a covenant with your husband. Till death do us part. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. In sickness, in health. That agreement hopefully was not made as, as long as you don't get too sick. Too poor. Whatever that list is, it is not dependent upon them. It's dependent upon you and your love for Christ 
And because Christ has given you that love, then you can therefore love your husband and submit to him as the church submits to Christ. So in the same way, you can say, yes, I can see how I should submit to government. Yes, I can see how I should submit to my boss. Yes, I can see how I should submit to my slave owner. But no, I don't want to submit to my husband. Why would I do that? They, he, go ahead, he just answers it in verse 1. So that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words. This is a really hard part right here as well. Without words by the behavior of their wives. That's hard, right? You want to say all the words to your husband. Everyone top to bottom. Let me just get them all out there for you. I'm going to say some words. I'm going to say a couple more words. We're going to have words is the phrase people like to use. But this is saying win over your husband without a word. Without a word. So if he's unbelieving, meaning even if he's a wicked man who has no scripture, who has no God, who has no fear of the Lord in his heart, that he will see you submitting to him without fear. That's crazy too. But only fear of God. And it will hopefully change his soul, his mind, his heart, his life, so that they may be won over. To submit to a godly husband is hard enough. I've often said when preaching through this in different places in Scripture that would you even submit if your husband was the godliest man? If he said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray together today. Would the hair still stand up on the back of your neck like, don't tell me what we're going to do today? Even if it's the best thing, we're going to give our money to the poor, we're going to do, and you'd be like, I don't think so. So even if he met like all the qualifications that you think you want, there's still something in us that is like, I'm still not going to submit. So you might sit there and go, well, my husband isn't what I want, so I'm not going to submit. Even if he was what you think you want, you still would probably not want to submit because it's in our hearts not to. Just, I just want to be free. I want to be generous, but I want to be generous in my way, right? I want to go out as well, but I want to go to my place. It's crazy how we can get everything we want and still not end up in the place where God would have us to be. So wives, submit to your husband whether he's godly or not. doesn't matter. And hopefully you can win him over, not with all your great arguments, not with all your anger, not with all your crying, not with all your whatever it is, running away, who knows. You might even say with sarcasm to your husband, right? Oh, how can I serve you today, master? Right? You're like, well, at least I'm saying the words. Right? That's what we want to do. We want to make it a joke, but it's not a joke. It's not a joke. It's right there, like as clear as day in Scripture. Oh, you want another bowl of soup, do you, while you sit on the couch? Like, okay, I'm going to heat it up a little extra for you today. It's amazing how well we can submit with a hint of, but I also hate everything I'm doing right now. Right? And we all do it. I said I wouldn't do any caveats, but we do. Husbands do it too. Yes, I'll sacrifice my life as Christ sacrificed to the church, but I'm not going to like it. 
right? That's not the goal. The goal is out of reverence for Christ, out of love for my wife. I am going to submit. I'm going to love and I'm going to lay down my life. And in a perfect world, we would both do it wonderfully. Just wonderful. Your husband would sacrifice everything. You would willingly submit and this would all go together just amazing. But that's not where we're at. So why did you get to submit to your husband even if he's a terrible person? I'm going to leave it at that. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 24 says this, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. That's the model right there that he gives. You can't even get away from it unless you want to say, church, don't submit to Christ. His body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in a couple things. Right now, it doesn't say a couple things. It says in everything, all things. You don't like it, but it's better. You want to win your husband to Christ? You want to make him a soft man who loves the Lord, but is willing to die to protect you? He's hard in his convictions. He's hard in all the places you want him to be. Then submit to him as you would submit to Christ. Do not continue to try and break him down to fit your mold. Because even when he fits it, you will not want it. You'll say, that's the weakest man. Why did I even marry you if you can be bent by my arguing, my cajoling, whatever it is? You want a man who loves you because he loves Christ. That will remain as consistent as it gets. Because Christ's love is overwhelming to him. His forgiveness is overwhelming to him. And he hopefully overflows with that towards you as well. And so that submission hopefully grows in joy for all the ways because of Christ and because your husband is a great guy because you set that example there. Colossians 3.18 also says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Titus chapter 2 verses 3 to 5 says, Likewise, So maybe you're in here and you're like, well, I don't have a husband anymore. There's still a job for you. Maybe you're in here and you're like, well, I'm just a little girl. I'm not even like close to getting there. There's still a message for you. You want to get married and boss your husband around? That is not biblical. It is not biblical. Older women should be teaching the younger women, if you want to get married, this is what you're in for. Submission to a man who may not be the man you married. Two days later. Ouch. So you should ground young ladies so much in Christ, so much in the gospel, that should their husband the next day turn out to be an absolute nightmare, their hope is grounded 100% in Jesus Christ. Their fear is not in their husband, but their fear is in God. Their hope is in God. Their joy is in God. And so that their dreams of like the perfect marriage or the perfect children and the perfect house, when that goes away, they still have everything because they have Christ. Uh, You were not promised the perfect marriage or the perfect husband, the perfect relationship. You were promised Christ. That has to be enough and then all the rest flows. Like we talked about before, as much joy in prison as there is in your freedom. Because you are free in Christ to serve there, to love there, to worship there. And you're free when you're out to serve here, to worship here, to love here. It's amazing how many people are free to run the streets and completely in bondage to sin. 
like with Ukraine. Isn't it crazy, right? The atheists will tell you why believe in God. Look at the tragedies in the world. And that's like their excuse not to follow Christ. But what you saw in Ukraine is when tragedy came, they went to Christ. They were looking for God. It was the opposite. What The thing that made them kind of go blind to God was their comfort, their health, their materialism, which is exactly what Paul talks about whenever he talks to God and says, God, do not make me so wealthy that I forget you were so poor that I hate you. Because he knows. So Titus 2, verses 3 to 5, older women, this is for you. Younger women, this is for you. Women who are not even married, this is for you. Widows, this is all for you. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way that they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. So what's good? Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Again, we take submissiveness and subjection. We make it like a laughing matter. Ha, ha, ha. But it's a real thing that destroys marriages. Absolutely destroys marriages. That in the same way, if you go to verse 9 in Titus, right? This is what the submission and subjection looks like. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. When it talks about being submissive in the same way previously and in Titus, these are all going together. You see what the slave is doing? He is a trustworthy person. So should the wife be. She shouldn't be stealing. She shouldn't be talking back. She shouldn't be doing all these things with an ill will towards the husband. Just as the slave should be kind to the master, even if he is harsh, because the slave loves Christ. And the slave, therefore, can love the master. Because if Christ can love me, who I could just as easily be the slave master, then I can love my master. You could just as easily be the wicked husband. And so you love your husband. You say, God, thank you for working in my life. Help me to be submissive to my husband. Help me. That's just verse one. Verse two. They'll be won over when they see the purity and the reverence of your lives. A woman who is secure in Christ is a humble woman. She's not afraid of her husband because she fears the Lord and obeys him. Her husband sees her submission as a testimony to the grace of God in her life. He doesn't see rebellion and he sees the grace of God. She lives in a pure way, whether in speech or deed. She has a reverence for her husband that comes from a reverence for Christ. Your reverence cannot be based on the perfect workings of your husband. It cannot be. Your respect cannot be. How do we know? Because we're to respect evil rulers 
even husbands. It's amazing how immature we can be even as adults, right? If one of my kids said something mean to the other kid and then that kid said, well, I'm going to say something mean back, we would say, don't say anything mean back. That's immature. That's not Christ-like. Love your enemies. But when husbands and wives get to talking, you're like, what did you say to me? And then you just like unload everything you've been holding for the last 20 years. And then it just like escalates like crazy. But if your kids were watching that, they would say, what are you doing? You just told me not to do that. When somebody threatens you or calls you names, you're not to retaliate back. But to say, let God have his way with that person, whether for forgiveness or for judgment or whatever it is. I should not be holding that resentment. We are like teaching our kids to do it and ignoring it a lot of times. We want them to see the purity, the reverence of your lives. And wives, again, your enmity against your husband will not get you what, you're, what you want, ultimately. You'll get a husband that just does not want another argument, does not want another fight. You're going to say all the right things that you want to hear, whatever it is, just stop. Says of a wife who submits and a husband who has changed without even a word when he sees her conduct. Your beauty as well should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. If you want to look beautiful to your husband every day, it's not the makeup and the clothes and the jewelry that's going to do it. It's like a never-ending battle. You can buy a million products, and you just cannot win that battle. Because beauty is not the outside. Beauty comes from the inside. That's the thing that doesn't fade away. <clears throat> so it's not that you can't wear these things, or you can't adorn yourself in these things, but your beauty should be outflowing from the inside. And we all know that's true because when you watch the most beautiful people get married... Actors, kings, queens, whoever it is, they have the money, they have the clothes, they have the hair, they have the face, they have whatever it is. That relationship does not last if they're both terrible, selfish people. And you're like, well, they were so beautiful. So what? That was just on the outside. Just on the outside. Instead, ladies, if you want to be beautiful every day, here's what it is. Verse 4, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a quiet and gentle spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. These are the valuable things in God's sight. The money, the jewelry, whatever, God's got enough of that. Who cares? These things of the inside, the quiet, gentle spirit. And by quiet and gentle, it doesn't mean like, I mean, otherwise, Leah and I would have never gotten married. Like a quiet little laugh. My wife has the laugh that just, like, fills the room. I love it. It doesn't mean be quiet. It means that your spirit is gentle and grounded. Your goal is not harm for everybody. It is calm. It is collected because it rests in Christ. And though things are going like nuts out here, in here it is settled in Christ. That's a beautiful thing, a gentle and a quiet spirit as opposed to one that's always just agitated and angry and always in the back. It is why me, criticism, whatever it is. It's a gentle and it's a quiet spirit. That's of great worth 
A woman who's not anxious but trusts in her God and is therefore able to live with her family without threats, venom on her lips, and constant fear in her heart that if I submit, it's all going to go horribly wrong. Because what you're trying to do is make yourself God. You're trying to pull all the puppet strings of your family behind the scenes if you can. That's not the way. You're just living in fear, not in trust in God. And God can take your husband and make him who he ought to be. And even if he never does, you have everything you need in Christ. It does not change the way you ought to be. Again, it doesn't mean that you don't laugh loudly, that you wouldn't wrestle the bear to save your child's life. It doesn't mean that you would shy away from conflict even. And that you speak only when your husband says so. It doesn't mean that either. But there's this gentleness and this peace inside of you that doesn't come out attacked or offended or trying to just tear the other person down. There's no reason to tear the other person down. You're already grounded. You're not trying to like climb over them and make yourself better. It's not an I would never do that attitude. It's a if it was not for Christ, I would be making the same poor decisions you are. I will submit. Panic is not your first response. Your words don't cut people to the ground. They're gentle. You submit with a soul at rest to Christ. Verse 5. This is the way that the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands. You want to be beautiful for the rest of your life. Submit to your husband. Have a gentle, quiet spirit grounded in the salvation of Christ, the hope of Christ. Not hope in your husband. They were submissive to their own husbands. How submissive? Well, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Fear is often wrapped up in our lack of submission, whether it's to, again, rulers, authorities, whatever. It is, if I let them have control, God cannot overturn this thing. If I submit, then my life will be destroyed. If I submit to uh, the government, if I submit to the master, if I submit to my husband, if I submit whatever it is, if I submit my will, and we do the same thing with God, if I submit my will to God, then my life is going to be not my own, which is exactly what Scripture says your life should not be, your own. You were bought with a price. Your life is with Christ. You're to give up your life for your neighbor, for your wife, for your children, your wants, your desires, your dreams. Throw them all away if need be for the other person. But ladies, this one is for you. Like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called her master. That is how we know you put your hope in God. That is what the holy women of the past who put their hope in God, that's how they used to make themselves beautiful. That's how they did it. For any of us sitting here, like any part of submission to any part of the government, any part of masters, any part of like uh, bosses, any part of anything, each one of us could sit here and go, I need to repent of some of that for sure. 
there's something in there for each of us. I need to ask forgiveness for some of that for sure. Every marriage relationship gets like a stacked up of, I should be asking for forgiveness, but I'm going to wait until like a good opportunity. Today's a good opportunity. Today's a good opportunity. Have you been submitting to your husband in a way that is quiet and gentle? In a way that is hoping in Christ, that is trusting in Christ? Are you afraid that if you do, your life's going to be a disaster, God can't fix it? You need to repent of that. There are um, some caveats. But again, I'm not going to touch on them. You can work those out yourself with your husband. Obedience to your husband shows your hope in God. Even seeing your husband as your master shows your hope in God. Submitting to your husband is beautiful. Submitting to your husband shows trust in Christ. Submitting to your husband is right. We all submit as well. Men, women, children, doesn't matter who you are. There's always someone to submit to. But it should always be based out of our reverence for Christ first. Submission is not weakness. It is absolute trust in the sovereignty of God. And it is the grace of God as the Holy Spirit patiently works on your heart. Jesus was not weak when he submitted. He was grounded in the love of the Father and in desire to save a people for himself. Submission can be used by God to radically transform your husband, your government, your master, the people around you, your parents' children can be radically transformed by the submission you give to your parents. Again, there's always more that can be said on this subject, and husbands are not left out of 1 Peter. I'm going to let Greg go on from here next week and talk about that. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We know it is hard, but it's good. We know that you are in control of all things. We know that you have given the ultimate sacrifice for us. We know that you've given up your life for us, that you said your will be done, not my will be done, and you gave up all that you had. God, help us to do the same for one another. Help us to love one another. Help us to submit to one another. Most of all, just help us to rest in you and your love for us, and to go out from there in gentleness and peace and respect. Help us to forgive one another, to ask for forgiveness, to repent, and to be in a loving, joyful, submissive relationship with each other. In Christ's name, amen. Turn your hymn books to 470. 470, Living for Jesus. Let's stand and sing this song. It applies just keeping our eyes on the Lord and giving ourselves to him. Living for Jesus. <clears throat> Living for Jesus, a life that is true. Striving to please Him in all that 
I do, yielding allegiance, glad-hearted and free. This is the pathway of blessing for me. Oh, Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to Thee. For Thou in Thy atonement didst give Thyself for me. I owe no other master, my heart shall be Thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live, O Christ, for Thee alone. Living for Jesus, who died in my place, bearing on Calvary my sin and disgrace, such love constrains me to answer his call. Follow his leading and give him my all. Oh, Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to thee. For thou in thy atonement didst give thyself for me. I own no other master, my heart shall be thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live, O Christ, for thee alone. Living for Jesus wherever I am, doing each duty his holy name, willing to suffer affliction and loss, deeming each trial a part of my cross. O Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to Thee, for Thou in Thy atonement didst give Thyself for me. I own no other master, my heart shall be Thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live, O Christ, for Thee alone. Living for Jesus through earth's little while, my dearest treasure, this light of Islam, seeking the lost ones he died to redeem, bringing the weary to find rest in him. O Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to thee, for thou in thy atonement didst give thyself for me. 
I own no other master, my heart shall be thy throne. My life I give henceforth to live, O Christ, for thee alone. When you hear messages like this and then you sing a song like this, reminds me that there probably isn't a message I hear that in some way God isn't trying to change my life, that I need to respond. It used to be we'd have altar calls and people would come forward. God wants you to bring your heart to his altar, to give your life to him, to see these things in your life and say, Lord, you're everything to me. I just want to live for you. Whatever it takes, whatever the costs, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to be like, whether it's a son or daughter, a husband, a father, a wife, mother, doesn't matter, grandparent. You're always learning, always growing. We need to give ourselves to him to be what he wants us to be. The blessings are untold. We're going to enter glory and find out he did amazing things because we just wanted to strive to be what he wanted us to be. Gracious Father, today as we hear your message, it even applies to each one of us to give ourselves to you, to want to live the kind of life that you would desire us to live. So we pray, Lord, that you would work through your spirit in our lives, that we might more and more give ourselves over to you, that we might know that the very best of life we can have is when we live in submission to you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being the one who would seek only our best and help us in the strength of that truth to know that submitting to you is a good thing. We praise you for your love. We thank you for the message. Work in our hearts and lives in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed.